welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, good morning, everyone. We are here. <laughs> um, welcome. My name is Jenna. If we haven't met, I'm the executive pastor here at Awaken. If you are visiting or new, you picked a very exciting day to show up on. Um, and if you're interested in connecting more at Awaken, you can go onto our website, fill out a connection card on there, and someone from our staff will contact you. We would love to get to know you, take you out for a beverage of your choice, Zoom call, walk, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, yeah, just get to know you a little bit. Uh, the first thing I would like to address the question on everyone's minds, which is, is Jenna and Mel wearing the same shirt? In fact, we are. Uh, we did not plan that. I knew when I put this on, I was taking a major risk. And sure enough, I walked in. Mel was wearing the same shirt. So just wanted to clear that up before, you know, you held just tension all gathering, wondering. Um, couple things by way of logistics. Uh, we are still in a pandemic, and so we are very mindful of that as we start gathering in person. Thank you uh, for wearing masks. If you do need a mask, um, they are in the back. Ramsey County changed their guidelines, so we will continue to follow suit with those things uh, as we gather. For kids in the room, we're so glad you're here. Um, we do, parents have our nursery open right over here in our twos and threes room. Um, so if you need to slip out at any point in the gathering, you're more than welcome to do that. We are hoping to open the nursery in the next couple of weeks, just once we get enough volunteers. Nudge. Uh, I think we need like seven more. Um, what, I think that's all. Cool. Well, as we do our call to worship, I wanted to say just a couple things that have been on my mind um, as we gather in this place, um, and I don't use this word lightly, um, but in many ways over the last 73 weeks as we have been apart, um, we have been displaced from one another. Uh, we have learned how to worship apart um, from this building. Um, and so the call to worship is very much in line uh, with this particular place. This building was built in 1938. Uh, and over the decades, hundreds of people have been in and out of these walls, um, experiencing holy and transcendent, significant moments. Um, and so there's a significance. There's a reason why we say, if walls could talk, like, what would these walls say? Um, so this morning, the call to worship is in line with that. So I'd like to invite you to stand if you're able. This is called a blessing of the door. Um, and maybe as you hear these words, I'd invite you to close your eyes and maybe just hold in your mind's eye um, when you walked through the door today um, and receive these words. First, let us say a blessing upon all who have entered here before us. You can see the sign of their passage by the worn place where their hand rested on the doorframe as they walked through the smooth sill of the threshold where they crossed. Press your ear to the door for a moment before you enter and you will hear their voices murmuring. Words you cannot quite make out, but know are full of welcome. On the other side, 
these ones who wait for you, if you do not know by now, understand what a blessing can do. How it appears like nothing you expected, how it arrives as visitor, outrageous invitation, child, how it takes the form of angel or dream, how it comes in words like, how can this be? And lifted up the lowly, how it sounds like in the wilderness, prepare the way. Those who wait for you know how the mark of a true blessing is that it will take you where you did not think to go. Once through this door, there will be more, more doors, more blessings, more who watch and wait for you. But here, at this door of beginning, the blessing cannot be said without you. So lay your palm against the frame that those before you touched. Place your feet where others paused in this entryway. Say the thing that you most need and the door will open wide. And by this word, the door is blessed. And by this word, the blessing is begun from which door by door, all the rest will come. Amen. Alrighty, friends. If you want to make your way back to your seats, um, you know, the, the greeting time at Awaken, it's been a debated topic for a long time. The introverts among us have said, can we please stop doing that? And the extroverts have said, thank you so much. I love that time. So every now and again, we skip the greeting, and it's a little gift, a little nod to you, you know, raging introverts. And we're sorry that there isn't coffee in the back. There's no, like, you know, natural out that you used to have. But you can just go stand in the back, and we'll all welcome you home when you come and you return. And then there's the whole COVID bit and masks and who knows what to do. So as we, you know, do this and reopen, there's all kinds of things we're going to try. And um, we may not uh, hit the ball out of the park on a lot of things. So please feel free to give us feedback, um, you know, graciously and lovingly. We're doing our best. But if there's something that just doesn't work, you can let us know. And we may say, um, thank you. We're committed to that, but thank you. Or we may say, yeah, you're right. We're not going to do that again. So, you know, it's a learning process. But welcome back, everybody. So glad you're here. You're so much better than a camera. You know, like normally, there's a camera right there, and the seats are all empty except for Nick and Josie's back there and Mel uh, and, the, and the, the friends. But you guys are just so much better than cameras. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, 16 months ago, 73 weeks ago, 508 days ago, I stood in this spot and I preached a sermon in a series called Metamorphosis. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Uh, I talked about a caterpillar and the caterpillar's journey to becoming a butterfly. Ironically enough, one of our uh, family members of uh, first hour brought a chrysalis to church. It was outside and they thought that this thing's ready to pop at any moment. That... And it happened during first hour. Literally, the butterfly comes out of the chrysalis, and now it's out drying its wings on the hops out here. So if you want to go out there and see it, you can. If this gets really boring, just out there, take a left, take a left, right there. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so I preached that sermon uh, all those days ago, 508 days ago, 
And then everything changed, right? Uh, everything changed. We, the world sort of went into a cocoon of its own. We all kind of went into cocoons of our own, which of course, as you all know, led to uh, real radical changes in our lives. Distance from one another, um, not meeting in this building, restaurants closing down. I don't know how about you, but that one really just got me. I love food and I love eating out. It's one of my favorite things to do, Laura and I. And that one was a real bummer. Um, and today we reemerge, friends. Awkwardly, maybe like the butterfly whose wings need to dry a little bit, we reemerge from our cocoon and, uh, you know, fitting to whenever we try to do something at Awaken, it seems like in this COVID thing, like something changes the night before we're about to do it. So, you know, we planned this and there were no mask mandates and, and then over the weekend, it's like that changed. So thanks for being flexible, appreciate that. But we reemerge, we're doing it, we're doing it. But the, the kicker is uh, we reemerge as different people on one level. Like we're the same, my name's still Micah, I'm still the same height, a couple pounds heavier. Um, but you know, I'm the same person, but I'm not. Like 16 months has gone by and you're here reemerging in our community. And you, you're the same, but you're different. You've changed. And life went on, did it not? Lots of things have happened. Some of us have lost things. Jobs, maybe. Relationships. Um, loved ones, even, to COVID or cancer or tragedy. Old age. Some things have been born, as we see. Babies, um, new jobs, new careers. Some people have moved from one state to another. They were, they were here sitting in these pews and the seats, and now they're in Washington or wherever. New ways of relating, new ways of uh, new ideas, and life went on. And so we reemerged today as individuals and as a community, having changed and morphed. And I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again, but you can never step in the same river twice. Right? An old dead philosopher named Heraclitus once said that. The idea being that life moves and it happens and we are verbs. As much as the dictionary would tell you that you're a noun, I would argue that you are a verb. Always moving, always changing, always evolving, always emerging. And so we do that and yet we come back together. So there's this awkward transition that we find ourselves in and we begin a series this morning called Proximate. Uh, the idea is that we're now proximate to one another, that there is, there, there's less distance between us. You're sitting next to one another in pews here. And we want to look at Paul's letters to the church in Corinth and ask, like, is there any wisdom from Paul about how to be together as a community, as the people of God? And if you know the books of Corinthians, you know that Paul has a lot to say about that. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about that. Today, we're going to look at gifts and uniqueness and diversity, uh, and yet how to be one body as the body of Christ. Um, we'll look at, uh, next week, um, Paul opens 2 Corinthians about grief and loss, and we become comfort for one another. And so how do we hold the things that we've lost together in community? Uh, how do we be, continue to be generous as a church, right? The whole world has moved us or encouraged us to, like, do this, to sort of close in, to protect ourselves for good reason, but how do we remain open-hearted, open-handed, generous people, which is in my opinion, pretty consistent with the gospel. How do we take the Eucharist together as a church? How do we do that in a way that's not, um, uh, that doesn't betray the very nature of the, the gift that is the Eucharist? I'm gonna, this thing keeps clicking, so we're gonna switch. There we go. Uh, how do we do that in a way that honors the table, right? And the people that we take it with? 
Um, how do I let you free from what I remember? How, how do I not hold on to the thing that you were to me 16 months ago and give you the gift of being who you are today? Maybe even uh, idolize the thing that you were or that I was to you. How do we do that together? Ironically, there's a passage Paul talks about uh, this in the Corinthians. And last, like, what does it mean to really choose us? How, what does it mean for, for, for me to choose us, even sometimes at cost to myself? This is the very nature of community. So over the next seven weeks, as we sort of wind down summer, sorry, and look towards fall, uh, we're going to do that. I'm, I'm going to be gone for part of that. I'm very excited. Dahlia, my middle daughter, and I are taking a, the second leg of our Camino journey. Hadley and I did a, a leg earlier, a couple years ago, and Dahlia and I will start where we stopped. It's going to be an epic, grand adventure. So Jen is going to preach. I know a lot of you look forward to that. I do too. My friend Judy Peterson is going to be here. It's going to be fantastic. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there. That's where we're going to be. As you turn, I'll give you a little background on Corinth. Um, there are actually four letters to the church in Corinth. We only have two of them. Uh, scholars believe that the other two got lost somewhere. Uh, and, and actually, these aren't in chronological order. This isn't one and two. It's likely uh, two and four, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But either way, Corinthians, maybe more than any other book that Paul writes, is very specific. He's addressing particular things in a church in Corinth. So imagine people like you and me gathered to worship, to celebrate word and sacrament. And Paul, a pastor, sort of gone away for a bit, writing back and saying, here, here's some things that I want to address that are going on in your community. And in particular, a, a, a debate or a, a, a kerfuffle about gifting and the value of one person over another. Um, Corinth, as I mentioned last week, uh, it's in the northern Mediterranean, so if you look on a map, it's like east of uh, Greece and Italy. Uh, it's an isthmus, so it's a very small section of land, uh, port city, sailors would have been there. It was nuts, like totally bonkers, crazy, kids in the room, so we won't go into that, but any number of, of, of temptations that you could imagine that you wouldn't want your college kid to like find at their first week of college, you could find it at Corinth. So, like, you did not want to send your kid to school there, okay? It was, it was crazy time. Uh, there was a, a, a euphemism about, like, if you want to basically participate in, um, you know, debauchery and revelry, go to Corinth and become a Corinthian. It was, it was nuts. So, Paul is writing into this context, right? That's the background for our story. Now, how many of you have been watching the Olympics? Any Olympic lovers out there? Yeah, so good. Um, Here's an all-play. Every now and again, we do all-play questions where I'll ask a question, and we really do invite you to, to throw it out there. So we're getting right back into the swing of things, friends. Here's an all-play. What's your favorite Olympic moment to date? So just go ahead and shout it out. What are they? And, and speak loud, fans and masks. Favorite Olympic moment to date this year in this Olympics? Suni Lee. Lee, absolutely. From South St. Paul, friends. Olympic gold medalist. How about that? Minnesota, that's fantastic. What else? Men's relay swimming. In, in Greece? Men's swimming. What else? First Philippine gold medal. It's fun to watch teams that usually don't win, win, right? Breaking through, love it. One more. Simone Biles, choosing not to participate for her mental health. That was a real shocker, a moment. Boy, isn't it fascinating how people who have nothing at stake just feel like they need to weigh in? 
you know? I, that just that baffles me. But yeah, that was good for her. How about Dan Hicks and Rowdy Gaines, the swimming announcers? I love those two. When they get going, it is just absolutely nuts. Like, I don't like swimming at all. But when they're going, I'm like, this is so awesome. We've been watching a lot of Olympic volleyball. Um, and my, my, Laura and I, we play volleyball with some friends in a neighborhood park on Wednesday nights. We played last Wednesday when it was like 95 degrees. I don't sweat. I'm not a sweaty man, but like that was a whole nother deal. And we play on Sunday nights in this league, which is mostly just us losing on Sunday nights. But either way, it's a lot of fun watching a lot of Olympic volleyball. In volleyball, uh, there are, in the Olympics, there's beach, so that's two-person, but there's court volleyball. And in court volleyball, there are six players on the court at a time. And if you've watched it, you'll notice that they're doing very specific things, very different things, right? There's different roles and, and skill sets and gifts. So there's a setter, and that person just takes ball two. Like, and they go all over the court to get the second ball, to set it to their hitters, right? The people on the outside, big, tall folks, and they're just whacking it. Big, long arms, high vertical. Then you've got middle blockers. They're blocking the attack from the center and the size, you know, also big, tall folks. And then there's one person. Do you ever wonder why there's one person with a different jersey color on? That's called the libero or the libero. It's an Italian word. It's a defensive specialist. That's something you might not have known. That's free, friends. You're welcome. So it's fascinating because when you watch these folks, they're all doing different things, but when it's happening, it's like poetry in motion, you know, like these clock gears all working together to make this thing happen called volleyball. And different folks have different skill sets, different body types are necessary. It's all amazing. And they're working together, this diverse group of people, for a common goal. In this case, Olympic gold. So keep that in mind as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right? So if you have your Bibles, that's where we are. If you can, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word. And Paul writes this to the little church in Corinth, starting in verse 12. Just as, one, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we, are, we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable... We give special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no modesty or special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Pray with me. God, as we open the scriptures and tune our attention to the rhythm, the melody of your word, of your uh, 
your good news, your kingdom. I pray that by your spirit you would do that in us. Change us, mold us, shape us, make us into the kinds of people and the kind of body that you want in the world, one that is about love and forgiveness, justice and mercy, compassion and grace, we pray. In the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit, the church said together, amen. You may be seated. So Paul writes to the church and he reminds them, you've all been gifted, everybody in the body of Christ has a gift. No one gets left out. And there's diversity. There's lots of different parts of the body. But the thing that is constant, the one thing that we all share in common is it's the same spirit that gives the gift. It's the same source that the the blessing comes or the gift comes. Said differently, Paul says you can't be the church in isolation. You cannot do this thing that we call the church as as an individual. It only works when we do it together. which kind of runs against some of our modern sensibilities, right? In our culture, the individual is primary. You know, rugged American Western individualists. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it. Meritocracy, right? You get as far as you get because you work hard enough, which isn't true for everybody, by the way. And even think about like evangelism, the way we talk about evangelism in the church, in Protestant church, right? Your personal salvation, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And you got to pray to receive Jesus into your heart. Paul's, that, that, that might be true. Okay? I'm not saying that that isn't true and that that isn't important. But what Paul is saying, it, it, it sort of stands not, not in judgment of or at odds with, but in tension with some of the things that come very naturally to us in the church and how we think about God in ourselves. So Paul's saying you can't do this without each other. So how do we become these kinds of people? How do we live into this as a community, as a church? Coming back together for the first time in 508 days, what does it mean? So a couple things I want to offer. Number one, unity, not uniformity. Number two, harmony requires diversity. And lastly, if we're going to do this thing, we may have to start thinking differently about how we treat one another, or at least differently than than the, the, uh, the norms or the cultural patterns that inform us. Okay? So let's start with... Let's start with the first one first. Uniformity, not... No, unity, not uniformity. Get it right, Micah. You're the preacher, for crying out loud. If it's a a fog in the pulpit, it's a mist in the pew. That's what they say. No, if it's a mist in the pulpit, it's a fog in the pew. That's it. Okay, I was listening to NPR this last week, and they were doing the sessions, uh, the the Senate sessions on the the Capitol attack, if any of you heard that that coverage. There was one moment where they were interviewing a a couple of uh, folks who were... uh, uh, Police officers at the Capitol, you know, sworn an oath to defend the Capitol and those who serve in it. And one of those people had been a military uh, personnel prior to them becoming an officer. And one of the senators asked them, did at any point, um, the question went something like this, at any point did the fact that the person who was serving next to you in, in, in the military, the fact that they voted differently than you or had different views than you, did it ever impact your ability or your commitment to protect your comrade in arms should the need arise? Basically, did difference ever come between you and your comrade in terms of your support of them, right? Black Hawk Down, leave no man behind, or woman. And the officer said, no, never did my commitment to uh, or, or ability to protect my brother or sister wane or become compromised because we're all American. 
because we're all Americans. You see, in the military, what doesn't matter is East Coast, West Coast, though that's an interesting 90s hip-hop battle. What doesn't matter is Protestant or Catholic. What doesn't matter is gay or straight. What doesn't matter is rich or poor. What doesn't matter is Christian or Muslim. What matters is one goal, one thing, and that is America in this illustration. And so diversity does not, um, it doesn't, uh, diversity doesn't threaten unity. See, when we talk about unity, especially when we're talking about religion, and Christianity, there seems to be this misconception that unless we agree on all matters theological, we can't be unified. That there's something between you and I because you think Jesus is coming back pre-mill and post-trib, or you think, right? Or divorce and remarriage, or even a Christian response to war, pacifism or just war theory. If we don't agree on all these different matters theologically, then we can't be unified. And I'm trying, I want to remind you, as we come back together, our unity is not in our doctrinal affirmations or our agreement on all matters of things theological, but rather Christ and Christ alone. Can I get an amen on that? So the person who's sitting next to you who might be different than you for any host of reasons, any number of reasons, there is this wondrous thing about the church that Paul is getting at here, that though we are diverse in our gifting and in our specialty, in what we bring, in our background, in our skin color, in our sexual orientation, in our political affiliations, there is a beautiful strain, a, 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 a through line that goes through everybody, and that is that we have all been born of the Spirit. The same spirit. See, if you don't know, we're part of the Covenant Church, the Evangelical Covenant, and Covenanters have had a unique uh, amount of practice in this area. In like the late 1800s, when they were trying to figure out how to do this, um, in Scandinavia, a, a state Lutheran church was demanding uniformity of thought on all matters theological and confessional, creeds and whatnot, and the fruit of that demand by the state church was a dead Lutheran church. A faith that just meant nothing to anybody, save maybe a few, but by and large, a dead Lutheran church. So the demand for uniformity, for agreement on confessional matters and theological matters, produced a dead religion. And these pietists, they, what they wanted was a faith that was alive, one that was like, uh, you know, connected to the power of the Spirit and its, its work in our lives and a scripture that was speaking here and now to you and me instead of what some guy in a cathedral thought. And so they found, because of their uh, wrestling with this, and certainly because of passages like this, that their, and, and, and what, they looked, what they wanted was a, a unity that was deeper than doctrinal affirmation and agreement, but a bond that could not be broken, that got them through thick and thin. And what they found was that that bond is Christ. Are you alive in Christ? Then you are my sister. Then you are my brother. And no matter what difference we may have or disagreement we may have on how to read a passage or who to vote for or any number of things, the good news to the world is there is a oneness, a unity that exists here. And it is not uniformity. So good news, friends, if you've come to awaken and you're not sure about a whole host of things or you come from a, a, a Calvinist background and you read the text a little more reformed. 
welcome. I'm glad you're here. I disagree with you on a number of things, but I love you, and I'm really glad you're here. And you could say the same to me. Micah, you may read the text a little more Arminian and a little more open theist, right? And I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I think that's a terrible reading of the text. And I would say to you, you might say to me, I hope that you would say to me, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Let's have a drink and talk about that. You see? And so in that space that we actually want to carve out, we don't want to just carve it out, we want to protect it. We want to defend it because in that space exists the possibility for the spirit to move, amen? To move in you and to move in me and to move the church forward as one, which I think is good news to the world, where they've watched a church split and divide and all kinds of other things because of diversity, because of difference. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. There's all kinds of gifts here. There's all sorts of things that will, that, 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 particular things. We've got setters. We've got outside hitters. We've got blockers. We, you see what I'm saying here? Do you see what I'm doing? I brought that illustration back. That's good preaching right there. No, what binds us together is our common bond, our, our goal and our vision to, to be the people of God in the world, to be ambassadors of the good news of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, that we might choose to love our neighbor first and, our, and, our, and ourselves second. So uniformity is not the request. Unity is. And so I encourage you to think deeply, think critically, be a... a, a thoughtful about your, how to read the Bible and what you think about God. But don't ask your brother or sister or don't demand that they agree with you. Because that's not kind. And quite frankly, if you just stop and think about that, it, it doesn't go very far, right? Like, I disagree with you about something. And you disagree with me about something. Theological. In terms of the Bible. So it's a non-sequitur if that's where our unity is. It's a non-starter. We can't even begin. Our unity is not there. Our unity is Christ. Christ and Christ alone. There's a few quotes I was going to read about from old dead white guys, but I'm going to skip that. Basically saying what I just said, right? Our unity is Christ. And here's what's fascinating. Uh, not only is this not what Paul's asking, uniformity, he's asking for unity, which means that there's diversity. Diversity allows for, it, it's uh, uh, something that we would say is beautiful and desirable. Harmony actually requires diversity. You know what I'm saying? So harmony requires diversity. Back to volleyball. Like, you've got these women out there working for this common goal, and there's this harmony, this flow that's happening all at once, each person doing their own thing and working all together. And we'd say, oh, that's inspiring, that's beautiful. Or think about music, right? The music that you love that you would say, that is a masterpiece, is likely not an orchestra playing all the same notes. No, it's got tension, it's got ups and downs, it's got turns, it's got surprises. You don't know where it's going sometimes, and you're like, oh, I mean, a choir that is singing in unison is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but if that's all they're doing, isn't that a little flat? It's a little boring. Harmony requires that we sing different notes. Anybody ever take a master class, those things online with all these people, yeah, a couple of you? I kind of want to take the one where the guy smokes the brisket. <laughs> I love a good brisket. I haven't yet, but I did look at this one about music, Masterclass on Music, and from that website it said, there's three elements in music. There's melody, rhythm, and harmony. 
And they say, while the first two are typically accountable for making a piece of music memorable, it's the third element, harmony, that can elevate a piece. That can take it from common and predictable to challenging and sophisticated, and dare I even say, beautiful, awe-inspiring. Harmony is the composite product. Isn't that great? The composite product when individual musical voices group together to form a cohesive whole. I don't know about you, friends, but that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. One where there is a composite of musical voices, of varied gifts, and even of varied beliefs about all matters of things important that comes together to form a cohesive whole, a body. Paul says in verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? If everyone was playing the same note, where would the music be? If we're going to be this kind of people, if we're going to make beautiful music together as a community, as a church, I want to invite us to not just tolerate diversity of gifting or of thought or of person, but to actually learn to value it because what we're after requires it. Which leads me to one concluding thought. If we're going to do this, I think we have to learn to think differently in some ways. Friends, there are patterns of thought that exist in our culture, uh, in your workplace, that we all just kind of assume are the way that things work, right? The person at the corner office has the most money, and the person who cleans the office gets paid least, and typically the treatment of the person who cleans the corner office is commensurate to the amount of money that they make. And nobody blinks an eye because that's just how the world works. But Paul does something fascinating in this passage. He takes a metaphor that they would have been completely familiar with, because in the Greco-Roman world, the body was used to talk about the hierarchy of value. What is most valuable is at the top, the head. And what is least valuable is at the bottom, the feet. And somewhere in between is everything else. And as you go down, you get less and less value. This is how this is a metaphor that they would have been completely familiar with. But Paul does something very different with it. He turns it on its head and he says, no. The hand is not more important than the foot. The eye is not more important than the ear. There's equality and there's equity in gifting. So though you may be gifted to do one thing and your brother or sister may be gifted to do another thing, there's no hierarchy of value that exists in the body of Christ. No, they're all valuable because we can't do this thing that we are called to do without each other. So we learn, Paul says, to value each and every gift that exists in the body. He not only does that, but he takes it a step further, which is the real mind blower. He says things like, uh, at the end of verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What do we do with the weak? We dispense of them, culturally, right? Only the strong survive. Survival of the fittest. It's Darwin, friends. It's just science. And then we see that play out on the playgrounds where the weaker kids get left out. Paul says the, weakest, the weaker gifts are indispensable in the body of Christ. 
It's a, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new culture. He goes on. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Not only do we just say, oh, no, they're honorable. We go beyond that. Right? You remember Michelle Obama's speech that, you know, when they go low, we go high. That's what he's doing here. The things that the culture and the world around us says are less valuable or intolerable or uh, dispensable. No, 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 no. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. That's not how it works in the church. And so he encourages the church, go beyond that. Don't just bring it back to zero. Go a couple of steps further, which sounds a lot like somebody I know. If somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk two. If somebody asks for your, for your cloak, give them your tunic also. Do you remember this? So in the community of God, in the people of God, in the church, if we're going to live into this vision that Paul has for us, uniformity is not the ask. Unity in Christ and Christ alone is the vision. And, and in order for us to do harmony, to make music together, it's going to require the diversity that exists in us. So we celebrate it because it forces us to live into the kind of church that we want to be. And I'll, on the way, an encouragement to not be trans, uh, conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, this upside-down vision and nature of the kingdom of God and this way of Jesus. We don't just walk one mile. We're willing to walk two. We're not just willing to give our coat, but our tunic as well. We're not just willing to say, we'll keep the things that everybody else dispenses. No, we're going to actually celebrate them and lift them up, make them dignified and honored in our communities. That, to me, would be really good news. And that's the kind of community I want to invite us to become, to live into, to learn how to be. Amen? Let me offer a word of prayer and an invitation for you to consider what the Spirit might be saying to you today. So pray with me. God, as we take just a moment of silence this morning to think about the words of the preacher, the word of the Spirit that's active and alive right now, I ask that you would go beyond my voice, do what I cannot do, and change hearts. Invite us to be these kinds of people who find unity, deep, unshakable unity, in our aliveness in Christ. That we would create beautiful music together as a community with diverse gifts and thoughts and even beliefs about you. That there would be a oneness. That we would be transformed to think and act in ways that are consistent with your kingdom. So Holy Spirit, do your work now, I pray. As we close our gathering this morning, um, in this next 
bit, we'll offer some music and an opportunity for you to sing and reflect. Um, if you've been with us over the course of COVID, you maybe know that uh, we sort of shifted and made a, a change and began to celebrate the Eucharist weekly. Uh, we typically would do that once a month um, before, and we found ourselves doing that every week, uh, virtually. And uh, as we thought about coming back together, we, we had some lively debate, vociferous uh, debate as a staff about how do we do that? You know, do we, um, part of the gathering and what many of us love about Awaken is uh, being able to create space that is unique and different. And so you may, does anybody remember the week we did communion on the big table in the center down here? You know, like we love to do that kind of thing. And so part of our goal is to set the table for you every week to encounter God. And so when you kind of commit to these large pieces of liturgy that happen every week, it, we found, we felt like it took something away that we all loved. And yet, many of you, I know, um, the table is the center of worship. So this is a bit of a compromise in some ways, and we're going to kind of see how it goes. Um, so every week, communion elements will be available for you. They're on my right and left over here and here at tables. Uh, there is red juice, and there is red wine, typically of white juice, but uh, they are labeled, so you, you'll know. And the, the bread is gluten-free, so we'd invite you to take a little sanit sanitizer, clean your hands, grab some bread, dip it in the cup. And that will be available uh, every week. On the fourth week, we will con we'll do communion like we, like we have done it before. We'll, we'll invite you to come down and receive the elements from people who are serving it. But I recognize that for many, uh, the table is a really important part of worship. And so if that's you, um, during the closing set of worship on weeks one to three, you're invited just to make your way up to the front and receive those elements. And as you do, know that um, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Um, and if it turns out that the whole church comes up there every week, well, maybe we'll rethink that. Um, but... We'll see how this goes, and we'll try it. Um, so in this last part of worship, we invite you to stand or sit, whatever is comfortable for you. The prayer space is open. Um, if you'd like to come and receive the communion elements, you can do that. So let's do that together. Well, friends, we did it. Way to go. Thanks so much for being here. Um, just one couple things before we go. Uh, we want to make sure that you are aware um, as we come back together, lots of uh, needs around volunteering. Um, as Jenna mentioned earlier, we want to open the nursery for the little ones. Not that we don't love them in here. I got you. But I'm pretty sure the mamas and the papas want them in there. <laughs> uh, so that's a gift we can give, and um, we just need some more people. So our biggest needs right now are with kiddos and in the tech booth in the back. So if you have any interest in those areas, please let us know. Uh, would love to connect you with the folks who help lead that or other areas. There's a button on the website you can click for that, uh, more information there. Um, and then next week, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the opening of chapter uh, 2 Corinthians, where Paul talks about comfort and grief. And um, we're going to kind of, we're going to shoot for the fences on this one. I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to try it. Um, after the teaching, we want to create some space um, to speak the names of those who, uh, who we've lost uh, and give you the opportunity to do that. 
Um, and so if that's of interest to you, we want that to not be a surprise. So if you come next week and, and want that to happen, um, we'll make some space for that together, to hear those names be spoken out loud and to be heard uh, by, by a community that holds us and loves us. Um, so that's next week. Um, if you have tithes and offerings, um, love, thank you. Um, if you could give online, that would be awesome. Uh, our counting team is also not full yet, and so we don't have anybody to count your money if you put it in those boxes. So thank you. Um, just, it'll probably, we'll get to it as soon as we can. <laughs> that's terrible, right? Um, we just need counters, friends. We need people to count. So uh, that's all we've got. Uh, let me offer this blessing. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen. Grace and peace. Good to be with you. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.